Em, can you believe we are in our third season of Interview Boss? Not really. It's crazy. But that means there are over 90 episodes we've made. (gasps) Oh my God. Scrolling through all of our episode titles, you might miss an episode that actually is exactly what you're looking for. Yes, we get so many messages of people asking us to do an episode on something and we're like, we already have. So we've put together playlists to help you find the episodes that are best suited to you. If you're applying for jobs, we have episodes about resumes, cover letters and job ads. If you've been offered your dream job, we have episodes on resigning, exit interviews and how to impress at your new company. Yes, and we even have a playlist for if you have an interview like tomorrow and you need just our most recommended episodes, just the ones you really need between now and then. Exactly. It is all there for you. You can browse by category. Check out the playlist at www.interviewboss.com.au forward slash podcast. And that is the thing that you need to think about first. Am I looking after my brain? Hey everyone and welcome back to Interview Boss. My name's Emma and I'm a radio journalist who's teamed up with my sister who's a HR and recruitment professional and together we're excited to give you guys all the tips, tricks and behind the scenes knowledge to help you in your career. Hey Em and welcome back everyone. This week's Shoot Your Shot shout out goes to Marina. She's been in a public service role that's really specialized for about 16 years. And she reached out to let us know that she's desperately trying to change careers completely. She actually booked a one-on-one interview session with me because she wanted to know how to talk about her hobbies and things outside of her career in her interview because she actually wants to help people renovate and design their dream homes. So Marina's interview went so well and she actually got offered the job. So congratulations, Marina. And I can't think of a more perfect shout out for our episode all about finding your X factor and working out what energizes you. We hope you love your new career. If you liked one of our episodes, used a tip we sent you, or you want to ask a question about your situation, slide into our DMs where our ears are open. And a friendly reminder, if you have an interview coming up, check out Sarah's one-on-one sessions. You can find out all about them at www.interviewboss.com.au forward slash coaching. So this week we have a special guest back with us that you might recognize, Sean Hall. We liked him too much last time, so we've got him back to enlighten us with more of his wisdom. Sean is the CEO and founder of Energy X, a company that aims to help everyone have the energy they need to discover and achieve their purpose. We're so excited to have Sean back on the pod today to talk about finding your X factor and what sets your soul on fire. This is so relevant to us when you're applying for jobs and you're trying to work out what is that next right role. Maybe there's a few that you're looking at, you're not sure where to take your career, or you're even earlier than that, wondering what career path to go down altogether. Or what's my thing? So many of our listeners tell us they never had that thing growing up. So this is going to be perfect. Welcome, Sean. First of all, I was going to say, I thought it was me that was hassling you guys to come back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. No, no. Banging down our door. I enjoyed you guys too much. (laughs) (laughs) So to have success in our career, we want to become referable, promotable and standout high performers. A lot of employers would call that having a bit of an X factor. What actually is the X factor? So that's a great way of thinking about it as well. So I like to keep things pretty simple around what it is that's going to make people stand out. And the first thing that I want to say to you is think about what is the most important part of your body that an employer is buying when they hire you? 
Your mind. Your brain, right? So not your biceps, <laughs> right? Your brain. Not your fingers for fast typing. <laughs> your brain. None of that sort of stuff. And this is a great way to think about well-being in general. I like to think about all the other aspects of well-being are in service to our mental well-being and service to us lighting up our brains. And I think what a lot of us have experienced over the last 18 months, two years, is a lot of brain fog. Totally. In many ways, and this is sort of what some of the neuroscience is saying too, is in many ways that brain fog is almost sort of what it feels like to have Alzheimer's. Oh, wow. Wow. You know, and that's really scary, right, as a thought that we're just not connecting the dots as much as we can. But if you have been feeling brain foggy, that again, it's really normal to do that. And we can overcome it. <laughs> so I want to say that too. So, you know, it is reversible. Like, it is reversible. It's not early Alzheimer's. No, but it's just a reminder of what can happen, right, when we don't look after our brains. And so all the other aspects of well-being, as I said, are in service to your brain. And that is the thing that you need to think about first. Am I looking after my brain? So if I was to interview someone, I would basically ask them four questions. And the first one would be around what are you doing to take responsibility for making sure that your brain is lit up, right? That you're performing mentally. And a lot of people won't necessarily know what the things are, but it will be things like getting enough sleep. It will be things like moving. It will be things like actually following other hobbies or learning and stuff like that as well, right? So being able to know what that is and taking responsibility for that is really important. The other question I would ask a person is how do they make decisions around how they focus on the highest value work, right? So how do you prioritize? Because I don't want to micromanage you. I want to know that there's a whole bunch of stuff going on and you are choosing the stuff that's most important and I don't have to tell you that. And so that might be, you know, when you're starting in a role, it might be about asking a lot of questions to make sure that you've got the right criteria to judge that. But that's what I want to know. Are you focusing your energy on the stuff that creates the most value for the role, for the client, for the business, whatever that might be? And what we know from, I think it's Deloitte Research, this is that 97% of jobs in the future of work require that skill, right? Self-management of being able to basically just control your own diary. And one of the things I get people to reflect on is how much of the work that you're doing each day is shallow versus deep. Deep will be cognitively challenging for you. So it might feel a bit harder, but it's important, right? Because it's hard. You might be solving a complex problem. You might be researching, all that sort of stuff. So whereas shallow work is just like admin stuff, emails, you know, which can feel very easy to do and stuff like that, but it doesn't actually create any value. And it's kind of how you can spend a whole day doing that shallow stuff, replying to emails and wonder what you've actually ticked off at the end of the day. Yeah, and there's a really great book called Deep Work, which I'd recommend you go in. And they actually identified... Cal Newport. Yes, Cal Newport. So that as a skill is very few people really have it. And so you think about those times when you feel in flow and you lose time because you're just so into something. That's sort of what we're talking about here as well. The third skill that I want people to know is like, tell me how you can identify and communicate bold, brave ideas. Because... No one ever got offered a job saying they were going to do the same thing in the same way it's always been done, mm. right? <laughs> right? We want to know how you're doing things differently, whether that's just challenging the status quo, whether it's looking for better ways of doing things, or whether it is right at that sort of creative ideation, imagination, edge of the spectrum. And this is where we need to think about creativity all the way across too. And so I like to get people to really think about how can they be more creative just every day? Because... What we know from, and this is actually work from a NASA scientist that followed kids and measured their creativity from children through to adults. And as a children, 
95% of us will test at creative genius level. And by the time we get to 30, it's 2%. This resonates with me so much. I babysit these two little girls. They're like the sweetest things ever. And I was babysitting them once and their mum had bought us like these paints, like little terracotta pots to paint. And I'm sitting down with them to paint and they just start painting away and they don't care what it looks like and they're having so much fun. And I'm sitting there for like five minutes and I was like, oh, what am I going to paint? Like, oh, I don't know. And then I started painting like an ugly sunflower and then I hated it and I painted over it. And then they go to me, why did you paint over yours? And I was like, I don't know. I just didn't like it. And they're like, I think it was beautiful. And like, it just (laughs) taught me the biggest lesson. I walked away and I was like, why can't I just paint because we're painting and it's lovely? (laughs) Why? Like, it took me 20 minutes to decide what to paint on this stupid little terracotta pot. And it just taught me the biggest lesson. I was like, wow, we need to get back to that childlike creativity and just flow and nothing has to have a plan and you don't have to create to create something. Oh, my God. It was a profound moment. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like you learned a lot. I did, yeah. So a good way to explain the difference between children and adults and their creative behaviours is that if you gave kids a puzzle to solve, for instance, and they sat down and they'd solve it. They'd go around, you know, and they'd solve it. And then they'd keep going and they'd see if there are other ways to solve it. Whereas adults will just solve it once and we go, okay, that's done next. And regardless of whether that's the right or the best solution, these are things that we need to be aware of. And then also from a creativity point of view, and this is where there's a strong link to inclusion as well, which is sort of the fourth question that I'll go to, is that creativity happens at the edges. What I always say to people that I'm working with is, When they're trying to solve a problem, I say, tell me who's got the most interesting version of that problem, right? Not someone like you, (laughs) because most of us live in a little bubble. I guarantee you that the person with the most interesting version of that problem doesn't look like you. It's got a different background in some way. And often what I really love about this approach too, is that often there's a little bit of a sense of injustice sometimes around it too. And you just like, it shouldn't be so hard for them. And so that gets you emotionally involved and invested in it as well. So you're much more likely to push harder, to persevere, to get it right. And so that's the third one is about bold ideas. And I think the link to inclusion is that you actually make safe for other people to share that as well. So psychological safety is really important. And then when it comes to inclusion, which is very important, right? We all need to be demonstrating inclusive behaviors. And this means that we're welcoming, we seek to understand people, we appreciate and value those differences. And I sort of take a different approach here too, because a lot of focus around inclusion is focused on bias identification. And I agree that that's, again, for the right intent. However, it's very inwardly focused. And so I actually want to focus on the outside. My first startup actually was in the disability space. I created a coaching platform to help people with disabilities get jobs. I remember this conversation with a friend of mine and she's legally blind, has a guide dog. And she said that someone asked her, what should they call her? And they were obviously referring to her disability. And she goes, my name. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. You know, like. You know, we do ask stupid questions, but they would rather that you ask a stupid question than ignore people, right, or make people feel invisible. And so all of those things are actually really connected. When we feel included, that has a massive impact on our mental well-being, our ability to light up our brain. When we're able to light up our brain, we're way more productive, right? We're way better. We're more insightful. We're able to focus on the highest value work. And then actually when we're at our most productive is actually usually when we're in flow, which is also when we're really creative. So they're all very linked. And so they're very simple life skills as well, that regardless of the job that you're in, they will be very valuable, right? They will help you stand out. And then the thing that powers all of those 
is obviously linked to what we talked about in our first chat, which is about your energy intelligence. So how do you actually make sure that you have high capacity, that you're able to adapt and regulate your emotions and all those sorts of things to just literally just turn up your best and have enough energy to get the work done? And I'll say you can only achieve what you've got energy for. And so at the end of the day, that's really just looking back and going, am I proud? Do I feel like this really represents me, what I've done here, the standard that I've got for myself? If you're able to do those four things, essentially, for yourself, I think that that is going to help you really be seen as X-factor talent to an employer. And the way I like to think about X-factor as well is, you know, an X is an intersection. And so on one side, and so this might be hard for some people to hear, but it's also not all about you (laughs) with your career. (laughs) So it's an intersection of value. What's unique about you and your value? So these skills that we're talking about here, but what do employers want as well is really important. And so what we know is we need to learn these skills. We need to power our skills as well. And if you can meet at that point at the intersection, you're definitely going to stand out. Yeah, matching the needs of what the employers looking for. Yeah. And I've had a lot of conversations a bit like that in my HR career of saying, well, I, I get that you want to do these things, but this is what the business needs done. And that's how positions are created, unfortunately, is it's business need and then it gets filled. So you do kind of have to have that small reality check sometimes. You can earn yourself a bit of freedom if you're kicking all those goals, you can add the value to the business and then be able to do something else that you really want to do. But yeah, you're right. It's that intersection of both. Absolutely. And this is where capacity or energy comes into play as well, right? So it's important that you are able to understand what the expectations are of the role, but have enough spare capacity, spare energy for yourself to actually do something proactive, right? Or expand a brief a little bit more than say what you've been given. Because we're operating in the system essentially. And so we need to know what the rules are, but then be able to sort of find out our way to navigate those as well. I know that when I was thinking about my program of work with my roles in my corporate career, I would always have a really strong conversation with my manager about what was expected of me. And then straight away I'd go, okay, okay, what and then then I would go, okay, well, now actually my personal goal is to exceed those expectations. So it's like I would make sure that I knew what I needed to do, but then I actually knew what I was capable of on top of that too as well. And that's where you find the space to actually find some other stuff that you're passionate about. Everyone wants a a purposeful, meaningful job. They want to feel like they're contributing to something in some way. And my watch out for people is that it's unrealistic to expect everything to come from one place. And so you are setting yourself up for disappointment if you expect everything to come from one place. And so I like to talk about the three hustles. The first one is your inside hustle. How can you do more of what you love right where you are? Mm. The thing here is to be able to clearly understand what it is that you love. Yeah, you've got to work that out first. You do. And so I like to ask two questions. So I go, If I think back on my year or like career milestones or whatever, I go, okay, what were the things that were really energizing and really important, right? That are milestones that if I was to say, you know, what's like you're really proud of, I would talk about that. Then what I do is I go, what are all the little details that made it that way, right? Was it the impact? Was it the brief? Was it because I got to use my strengths? Was it the people I worked with? And so once you've got that recipe, that allows you to create the space and to ask for more of that. That's the key to taking charge of your career because those things will naturally, especially if they're linked, well, they should be anyway, linked to what the business thinks is important as well. 
then they will give you more space to do that. But you need to know that first. You can't just ask for something. You need to you know, prove that you know what you want in the first place. So the inside hustle is really important because again, you know, a lot of people are just not happy. And so they're looking for new jobs. And so they move and then they just end up with the same problems all over again, because they're still not clear on what they actually love doing. And so it's all experiments, I think. And then I said, the second hustle is your side hustle. That can sometimes be at work as well, or it can be outside work. It might be a side project. A podcast. A podcast, <laughs> you go, right? You know, and sometimes it'll make you money. Sometimes it'll just be using your strengths or your passions in a different way. We're not one dimensional, right? So there'll be different ways that you can express yourself. And so working out what that is. And then the third hustle is your soul hustle. Mm. So where can you give back? And so this is, I'm a massive fan of skilled volunteering, you know, where you go, what skills have I got? What strengths have I got? Then I could apply to some brands, some organizations, even just a person, you know, like just even mentoring is a fantastic way of doing skilled volunteering. I mentor for youth off the streets and I, that's been amazing and scary because you have to sign up for two years at a time, but you get to work with one young person and you get to help just be their sounding board, right? So there's lots of different ways. I think if you find a cause that you feel you relate to and you go, what can I use there? And so if you've got those three hustles going on, it might be like, you know, 70%, 20%, 10% or even less, whatever. That means that you're getting meaning from all these different parts of your life. So you're not overly expecting everything. And also, I guarantee you that 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 will just not only feel better, but actually you'll probably be better at your inside hustle because you've got these other areas where you're challenging your thinking in different ways as well. I've really noticed that with having a creative outlet in terms of the podcast or other kind of side things that I've done, because you don't always get to flex certain muscles in your day-to-day job. Like creativity is a big one for me. And in HR, people might be like, that's not creative at all. It is because you should see my event invites and all the, you know, things that we create, but you don't always get to do that. And someone says no to something, your ideas shot down, you're on someone else's agenda, someone else's budget. You can kind of start to feel like, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not super happy with this at the moment. But if you've got that other outlet, you're still being able to control that over here. You're still able to get some of that there. And then later on you find that they switch and suddenly, you know, you've got a bit more freedom at work to do what it is that you want to do. But having that other outlet kind of got you through to be able to, you know, have the patience and the the energy is the best word. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we've got to be kind to ourselves in these things too, because it's like, everyone's just doing their best. No one's really knows what they're doing with their careers, (laughs) you know, and it's all just lots of little experiments. And I think that's a really great way just to take the pressure off. Just try little experiments, do little things, literally a career prototype. I sort of talk about like, if you want to explore something, it's just literally just reaching out to someone or being introduced to someone in your network and just having a conversation. You know, that's, you can ask them is that, you know, I might have these you might think this industry is amazing. And then you talk to this person, you realize it's, you know, not it's all it's cracked up to be, you know, that saved you a lot of heartbreak if you were going to make a sort of a life-changing decision. So think about little prototypes to just get the data that you need to sort of feel confident that you're making decisions as well. When I was younger, I wanted to be a forensic scientist. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And I went to a UNSW like holiday week thing where there was like a forensic science workshop And honestly, I finished it and was like, so I'm crossing out forensic science, Uh, really not what I thought it was. You're just kind of sorting through evidence and putting it in bags and things. Really didn't enjoy it. Saved myself a whole lot of heartbreak. (laughs) Absolutely. I went to uni to be a dentist. (laughs) 
Wow. Yeah, I was like, I, I've had like five careers, but I went to you to be a dentist because I just wanted to like be what my granddad wanted me to be, Aww. right? And so I ended up leaving with an honours degree in marketing and as a aerobics instructor. Amazing. <laughs> so, what a mixed bag. So, so it's all over the place. And that's what I think, to take it so seriously, don't put much, so much pressure on yourself. And then I think just the other thing to be really aware of, I think, when we're navigating our careers is that, well, this is in life in general, is that we have an inbuilt negativity bias. It's hardwired into our brains. It was designed that way. Our brains are like 300,000 years of evolution, right? And what we're dealing with right now is like the, like this tiny little one millimeter on the ed- edge of a ruler. So being aware of that, that it's there for survival. So we will naturally focus on what we don't like. We will naturally give more power to those things. We'll give more power to the people that are energy vampires in our lives. You know, we need to be aware of that. And that's why I say to people, if you identify always do this sort of point of reflection identify the stuff that's energizing and important to you get really forensic <laughs> we used yours some of your skills sarah really forensic on the little details that made it that way and create a recipe for it right and the more that you can do that the more that you can create that life that career those relationships that are energizing and important but we need to know those little details and then we need to act to actually have more of them happening And what's something practical someone could implement right now that could help them find their X factor? I would literally get like a massive, like a piece of butcher's paper or something like that. And I would just get some post-it notes and I would just start to basically just put down all those little moments that you felt energized, right, in your career and separate it out. Was it a project? Was it a task? Was it a problem I solved? Was it something I learned? Was it a leader I had? You know, like all of these little moments, I like just get all this data, right? And then you'll start to see all the connections to that. And then I think that's on the one side, right? And then on the other side, start to think about those questions that we talked about at the start. You know, do I know how to light up my brain? How do I make decisions? And you just look at your diary and you go, well, I just said yes to a whole bunch of stuff that I really wanted to say no to. <laughs> Guilty. Or you go, okay, oh, or the old one where, you know, I finished my day and then I do work because I've just been in back-to-back meetings. Right. And so these are the things we go, well, that obviously says that you don't know how to manage your diary to focus on the highest value stuff because you're not right now. When was the last time that you really put a little bit of your, I guess, heart and soul on the line to put forward a big idea? Right. How would you communicate that? And then actually, this is another little challenge I'm going to ask for people is when we think about inclusion, right? Because everyone will say they're inclusive. And I'll say, okay, I want you to think about, think, write down the 10 people that are your squad right now that you would go to for big decisions, ask for advice and things like that. And then just start to look at it and go, okay, well, how many of these people are a different gender identity from me? How many of them have got disabilities? How many are different ethnicity? How many have got a different age demographic? How many grew up in a different socioeconomic background to me? It can be quite confronting to do that. Yeah, it's all very homogenous. Yeah, I think we know that there's so much emphasis on diversity and inclusion and things like that. And it's just a way to think about, does your world reflect the real world in some way? I guess how I found my X Factor in a way is just like lots of all these things, like this is my fifth career. And, you know, the X Factor we talk about Energy X is to help, help people have the energy they need to discover and achieve their purpose. That's sort of why I get out of bed each day as well, you know. And I think that it's because this is my fifth career and it sort of combines everything that I've learned before it. It's like cherry picking the best bits and putting it together in the puzzle of what sets your soul on fire. Yeah, absolutely. And so the way that I've sort of looked at things too is you might think about, you know, coming back, we talked in the first session about following energists on social media and things like that. And it's like, 
who are the people that inspire you? What is about them? What are the little things that you can piece together? I know that, you know, even when I was an aerobics instructor, I go, I'd admired all these other instructors and presenters and things like that. And I go, actually, it's that, that thing they do and that thing they do and that thing that they do. And then I sort of combined them in my own unique way that made me feel comfortable and made me stand out. So there's lots of things that we can take from other people to do that as well. Focus on your strengths is a really, really important thing like don't worry so much about what you don't have focus on what you do have and how you can leverage those strengths to become even better or to dive into challenges and then I think for me as well I guess one of the biggest things I've learned in this is your challenges or your struggles can become superpowers so if you go through something if you can turn that into something that you learn that becomes something that's very valuable to support other people and Energy X is essentially a pay it forward business. I realized that the only reason I can do what I do is because of privilege. I've had privilege of a big company like Telstra investing money in me for my development. I've had the privilege of being able to access psychotherapy. I've had amazing coaches. I've got the privilege of access now to spending time talking to academics, you know, around what I do as well. And basically all I do is just try to pay forward that privilege because I realize that not everybody has access to those things. And that's often one of the things we can do is like, what privileges have you got that you might pay forward to other people as well? And so that's where that soul hustle can really play a big role as well, because I guarantee you that all of us have got something in some way, whether it's a struggle or a privilege that we've learned from that we can pay forward to help other people find their X factor as well. And who knows, if you're helping other people do it, you might just find that that's sort of what lights you up as well. Em, I think we, I've just worked out that um, this podcast is a side hustle and a soul hustle at the same time. Yeah, that's so that? true. Yeah, killing two birds with one stone. You have such a bad day and we get a DM from one of our listeners saying that they landed a job and they listen to our podcast like panicking on the way to the interview. That's a game changer. That, that makes all the emails much more bearable. Yeah. And Sean, speaking of access, how can people access more of your content and find out more about EnergyX? Head to energyx.com.au just because I think we're trying to be a bit fancy. There's no Y in EnergyX, so it's E-N-E-R-G-X.com.au. You can also email me at Sean at EnergyX. Or actually one of the best ways is just connect with me on LinkedIn, shoot me a message there if you've got any questions. I'm more than happy to do that. And I post a lot of stuff on LinkedIn as well. Like I, I said I'm a bit awkward on social media. It's not like my amazing edit, but LinkedIn is sort of where I find, you know, I guess a little bit. That's your zone. Yeah, to share what feels relevant to people, I guess. So definitely connect with me there and shoot me any questions as well. But yeah, I'm so happy to hear that this is your soul and your side hustle as well. And thank you so much for having me along. Yeah, thank you so much, Sean. Thank you. That's awesome. I feel like our listeners are going to leave here inspired and they're going to go and do some inner work and find their X Factor. We're here for it. And that's going to translate into their career search and help them find meaningful work. Love it. Thanks so much for listening to Interview Boss. If you like hearing the sound of our voices, hit that follow button in Apple or Spotify, or better yet, tell someone about the show and help them land their dream job. That's how we hit the charts and we can help even more people. For more advice, inspiration and a supportive community, check us out on Instagram at interviewboss. The 
If we've been your job search besties and helped you in some way, there's a cool way you can support the show. Shout us a virtual coffee. We get a huge kick out of reading all of your success stories. Head to buymeacoffee.com forward slash interview boss and shout us a cuppa. If you keep us caffeinated, we can keep the content coming.